because any person can come in as a manager or something else and just drop like negative. Oh, that sucks. This needs to be changed. That's not working. That's not good. That's not this. But if you literally train yourself to be able to start focusing on what's good, and then you can start to extrapolate on that, you build empires, you build the most amazing thing, because then people also see that you can do this kind of work without having to go into the negative place on that. I keep on focusing on upgrading the frequency, upgrading the frequency, upgrading the frequency, one person at a time, organization by a time, however it needs to be done. But I keep telling people, if we could just flip 1% of the population to where they're vibrating on a regular basis over 500 hertz all the time, this planet would look completely different. Try this bad boy out for science. You are welcome to take a seat at the table where we use a new lens, where humanity are stakeholders. Different distinctions encouraged. Intention starts from a no-judgment zone. A certain age is not criteria. And where you become comfortable with the uncomfortable to facilitate a new conversation. We are here because we really believe that the 1% shift, the 1% movement in itself isn't just like, oh, it sounds like a good idea. It's actually, I really truly believe that if there were a billion people by 2052 who were doing their 1% shift, and that means like literally every time they were making decisions that were adding to the human race, to me, that would mean that we would be changing what's happening in culture right now. That's how powerful I believe it is. And that kind of gets me excited. And talking about excitement, we have in the house, Barbie, how awesome to have you in the room. Hello. It's so nice to meet you. you. (laughs) (laughs) In what part of the world are you? I am in Anaheim, California, about a mile away from Disneyland right now. Um, tell me, why why is doing your 1% and what is your 1%? Why is that important? Well, first of all, I'm really excited to be connected to you. I know that I'm a, uh, I'm an international bestselling author with Rhonda Swan with the Women Gone Wild Wealth Edition, also a book sister with Shar Moore that you were just referring to as well, which is fabulous. Um, and at some point in time, I've always wanted to visit New Zealand, so I would love to come and hang out with some Kiwis in the, in the near future, absolutely. But I really... When Rhonda shared about what you were doing, I was like, oh my God, that's so on point for me. So I have what is in the background. I have a TV show called You Are Amazing on the Best You TV. And I've had over 45 world thought leaders come on to be able to talk about their big, hairy, audacious goal in regards to what they're wanting to spread in regards to making the world a better place. So my 1% shift is what I call the kindness revolution. And the kindness revolution, I already have over 30 countries that have already participated, countries like Haiti, South Africa, the UK, Germany, Austria, um, people in Australia, everywhere. And it's, it's been literally one of the most delightful things because I feel like when we have the opportunity to meet each other human to human and we get to know each other heart to heart, we can dispel a lot of stereotypes and other misconceptions that people have about people. So I've been to over... 35 countries. I've been to every single state in the United States of America, all the Hawaiian mm-hmm. islands, Alaska. Uh, I lived in Austria for a year. I lived in South Korea for a year and I've lived in the United States. So I feel like being a global citizen allows me to be able to have a different perspective with, with travel because bottom line is that everybody just needs to be seen and heard and loved and accepted. Those are basic needs for everybody. And I do intuitive healing internationally and there's not anybody anywhere in any country 
that has different needs or, or wants or wishes or desires than everybody else on the planet. We just all kind of think that we're so different. So to me, I think that when you treat everybody with kindness, and that means the busboy, that means the person that's your Uber driver. I saw that um, when I went to Houston, I did a documentary for Dr. John D. Martini that's coming out next year. And there was a, a box on the Uber in the United States that actually said, when you order a ride, that you can have it of where you can check a box where the driver doesn't talk to you. And I just, mm. that made me so sad because I thought to myself, so really this guy is just a robot that's picking me up and I'm not going to have a conversation with this person at all. Well, maybe I might not want to be, you know, chatty Kathy, but by the same token, I think that the kindness revolution is that, that 1% shift and allowing people to, you know, connect heart to heart. Because I think people are really craving that realness. They're craving that genuine, authentic connection. And I was just at Money and You in San Diego with Dame Doria Cordova mm-hmm. and a lot of other amazing change makers. And that was what we were all talking about is that we're all craving realness. And so when we're kind to everybody, regardless of their status or what they have or what they don't have, et cetera, you know, I've stated in the last couple of years that Zoom is the great equalizer because we all get the exact mm-hmm. same size box. No one gets a bigger size box. And so therefore it's, it's pulled down a lot of people's egos where you're not up on a big stage or on a big jumbotron, you know, with like your, your picture, you know, blown up on there. It's just, you're a little box. And by being able to share your heart with other people, I, I just think that that's something that can be absolutely revolutionary. And I've gained so much momentum and so much traction with people that want to spread that around with me as well. So I'm really excited about it. Yeah. I love that. I, you know, you talk about being a citizen of the globe and, and different perspectives and, and connecting with the human, you know, human race. That has been one of the things that I have loved. We were nomadic before this thing called a pandemic hit the world. And so we tra, what that meant was we traveled the world nonstop with our family and just worked in different locations, right? And, uh, one of the things that I learned, and I said this earlier was, the more that I traveled, the more I realized I didn't know anything. I literally didn't. I was realizing, and that kind of was really exciting for me because I realized that we can stay in our own little bubble and it's really easy to stay in your own bubble. But what I love is when you get to connect with other humans across the globe and realize that we don't have to do this journey alone. No. And, and I think that that is the, the, and even when we look different or we sound different or, you know, we're in different, we're in different industries, we can still collaborate and we can still partner together to go, how can I support you? What can that look like? And I think it gets back to some of those little simple things. Well, I think it's not just we don't have to do the journey alone. We shouldn't be doing the journey alone. Yeah. You know, what do you mean by that? Why shouldn't we? Like, I agree with you, but yeah, why shouldn't we? Well, we're, we're designed to be in tribes or families or yes. communities, whatever yes. word you use. That's, yes. that's the way we're designed to live. And I think that over the last little bit, we, we've sort of pulled away from that. And certainly mm-hmm. the pandemic that you were speaking about <laughs> <laughs> didn't help. Yeah. But now I think that for most of us, we've realized that we do need human connection and it's it's highlighted how much we do need human connection. Mm. But on the other side of that, and I think George spoke about it just a little while ago, it's also very easy to get caught in your bubble. Right. So, like, you know, now's the time to say, well, let's step into that 
you know, uncomfortableness yeah. of being an introvert and the last couple of years, as much as we didn't like it, for some people they had this new comfort bubble. It's time to come out and do things together, bring communities back, bring family back. You know, I don't think about family as just blood family. Yeah. Like, you know, you're my family yeah, because family is who, you know, you do life with. Right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And connect with. Yeah. And Absolutely. yeah. So what do you see or how do you see us doing that better? Well, I think it's also really looking at that, like when they talk about, you know, your net worth is your network. It's really like really broadening that out there too. And so I think that attending, you know, things like I just attended with Money and You, where it's an international consortium, it's having the opportunity of people, you know, from Asia, Australia, New Zealand, Africa, South America, you know, North America, Europe, it's everybody pitching in and having their own special voice too. And I know even like, um, I just was, you know, part of a team, I was the cover girl for Lit Magazine, um, September, October, and I'm part of that Get Lit Worldwide team now. And what's so beautiful about it is that it's all about inclusivity. So it's basically eight women that are together, but they're all from different backgrounds and all walks of life from all of, you know, from all over. And that's the part about it too, in the sense of where not kind of like picking ourselves off into kind of homogeneous like environments. It, it's like, to me, I thrive in environments where I'm around other people who are different than me. I think it's really important too to not be around also not just a bubble, but an echo chamber. I think it's really important also not to be in an echo chamber. Where everyone's just going to be around people that agree with them all the time because I really want to hear other people's viewpoints. And I think that by looking at it from that perspective, then you continuously upgrade and you refine your impression about different things. So for example, um, when I lived in Korea, I was, I was an English teacher for a year from 1995 to 1996. And that was a very different Korea than what exists now. I mean, now it's like super tech and, you know, everything's futuristic. But in my mind, 1995, 1996 Korea is what still exists there. So if I go back there, I can update my information on what it looks like. But in the meantime, my old, you know, 20, 30 years ago idea about what it is. And I think people get really stuck in that. They have this idea about how, you know, that, that whatever their impression is of it in that sense. So I think it's always important to continuously update your information about different things that you're doing. And by doing that, it's that neuroplasticity of where you then have the ability to be able to start looking at other things from a different perspective. And so if we're also, you know, one, one of my messages that I talk about a lot too, is that, you know, we talk about this concept of like third world and first world, but we're on one world. And that's the part about it too, of where we somehow think that, oh, only the people in first world should be doing this, or these people are here or whatever, et cetera. Everyone should have the opportunity to be able to have an abundant mindset and everyone should be able to have access to education and knowledge and other things like that as well. So I think that from that perspective, it becomes then a global conversation rather than kind of an isolationist thing too, because I think it's not just being in your own bubble and being on Zoom. It's also really from the perspective of thinking that's outdated. Mm -hmm. I love that echo chamber piece because something that I've been talking about the last couple of years is I feel like we're losing the art of debate and debate yes. is how we learn. And I feel yes. like it's becoming a lost art because people get yes. put in the chamber and, oh, you don't agree with me. I'm just going to unfriend you, you know, push yes. a button and fuck you. And yes. we can't learn like that. No. No. And, and I want to hear. 
I want to hear that. I want to hear the pushback. It's like, if someone yeah. doesn't agree with me, they can, I mean, they don't have to be rude about it and I'm not going to be yeah. rude about someone else, but I definitely, I, or I want to challenge someone to say, you know, that's really interesting that you think that I'm just curious where you got that information from. And, and yeah. from that perspective, you open up a conversation and a dialogue with people where then they have an ability to be able to see it, but you're not threatening them. You're not defensive. You're not calling them names because all of this social media trolling and things like that has really gotten out of control for a lot of people. And it shuts them down where there's not a lot of discourse happening any longer. And so therefore it's like, for me, when someone pushes back on me respectfully and says, you know, I don't know if I agree with you on this or, you know, how did you come to this opinion? Or I do the same thing to other people. When I coach people, I do the same thing. And if my goal is always that I want them to be able to accomplish whatever it is that they want, their dream job, their dream house, their, you know, whatever they want to manifest in their lives. It's always like, if everything is, is in the intention of being able to get to that, that goal at the end, then all of my feedback, whether it's, it's something that, you know, propels them to grow or not is absolutely imperative for me to have because if I'm a coach I can't assist somebody by just kissing their ass and just being like oh you're so wonderful and it's so wonderful but I think you can also do it in a particular way I think that when you have that ability to debate um, it doesn't have to be cutthroat I think I, I really I subs- I got a, a master's degree in spiritual psychology from the University of Santa Monica which is a world famous program that really talks about Carl Rogers as a psychologist who talked about unconditional positive regard so for me, when I focus on, you know, groups of people that I'm working with or when I'm mentoring people, I focus on what's right. And I continuously nurture that. And it's like, if they didn't hit their goal, it's like, wow, I'm really proud of the progress that you made, et cetera, et cetera. Because any person could come in as a manager or something else and just drop like negative. Oh, that sucks. This needs to be changed. That's not working. That's not good. That's not this. But if you literally train yourself to be able to start focusing on what's good, and then you can start to extrapolate on that. You build empires, you build the most amazing thing because then people also see that you can do this kind of work without having to go into the negative place on that. And I mean, and that's kind of that tough love is really, really important, but the delivery is just as important as the information is because there's something of where there's also the diplomacy part of it and the sense of being able to see that because even, you know, if I go into a country and things like that, it's not my job to come in and judge their political beliefs or judge their structure or whatever it is. I'm coming in to be able to bring the light, to be able to be of assistance, to be able to, to help however I can. But it, it, whatever my mental or my, my, my small self thinks about those kind of things, I just put that to the side. Because for me, I work for the divine. And so by being in that source energy, I want to be in that source energy of where I can extrapolate that light and shine it as, as brightly as possible. And I think that there really is a light worker grid that's out there and not to me. And it's so cool that you guys say the 1% because I've been the last two years on TV. I have been saying if we could just shift the world 1%, we would change the <laughs> world. So I have been saying this for the last one and you're doing it. And so, yes, I want to promote this, put it out there wherever I can, get you your thousand people, et cetera, because this is the kind of stuff of where, you know, this is where the rock stars are born. This is where, you know, and it's it's not just do-gooding of where you write a check. You know what I mean? It's like, you're not just writing a check to charity yeah. and then you're off the hook. This is like, no, I want to spread the kindness revolution. And so, like, when I'm out and about at restaurants and other places like that, people are always like, God, you always get such great service and people give you extra glasses of champagne and this, that, whatever. And you're chatting with the busboy and the waitress and this, that, whatever. And it's like, I ask them like, how's your day going? Oh, oh it, yeah, it's okay. But they're all, they, then, then you're in this beautiful like circle of service where it's like, I'm here to allow myself to experience your beautiful service. You're here to serve me. It's this beautiful kind of like dance back and forth and I tip well. And so it's like, <laughs> <laughs> and they go, 
wow, you, you got so much, you know, like better service than I've ever seen before from that particular waiter. And it's like, yeah, because I looked in the eye, I acknowledged that this is a human being that's interacting with me. And I think a lot of people think of like people that are subservient to them or they're just the help or whatever else. And it's like, that's gross to me. Like every single human being has a soul and we need to acknowledge that. And so that's to me, part of the kindness revolution that you just kind of spread that joy around because it's a contagious. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Tell me more about what you what you've been saying for the last two years around the one percent. So I've just been telling people that if we could just get one percent of the planet to shift into the light side. So okay, so I don't know if you know Dr. David Hawkins' work, Power versus Force. I am probably definitely doing it. (laughs) You do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. So that's based on um, one of the companies that I, that I developed, which is about core wound healing. We focus on that too. And the, and you have to manifest things, you know, over manifestation goes over 500 Hertz. And for me, it's like, I'm very, very strong about using the hue, which is the 528 Hertz with the self edge frequency. So that's what I meditate to. That's what I talk to my clients with. I do group healing, but that too. So Dr. Hawkins was able to see that a lot of these cities and countries and places around the world were kind of like almost all of them were like resonating. 80% of the planet is resonating below 200. So I keep on focusing on upgrading the frequency, upgrading the frequency, upgrading the frequency, one person at a time, organization by a time, however it needs to be done. But I keep telling people if we could just flip 1% of the population to where they're vibrating on a regular basis over 500 Hertz all the time, this planet would look completely different. It would be transformed. So this, everything you're doing is like totally on brand with everything I'm doing. And so when I saw the 1% thing, I was just laughing because it was something that just popped into my head. It was a download. It wasn't even like, I didn't go and look at the, okay, there's 7 billion people on the planet. What would some 1% be? And what would it, no, I didn't do that. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just came up with like 1%. If we could just flip it to 1% and then here you are, boom. And then Rhonda's like, oh, this lady Kiri, she's doing amazing things. And, you know, and, you know, so I was like, oh, yep. And I jumped right on, signed it, put it in there. I think I'm number 33 on your board. And, you know, it, it's, it's something like to me, this is so exciting because that also is a verification for me that my manifestations are on point because I'm attracting, we're, I always say the people that come forward for you, they're the manifestations of your dreams. So we are each other's manifestations of our dreams. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's amazing. I love, I love what you're, you're saying around the attraction of, you know, like the whole 1% sort of side of it. I'm doing that. You're doing that. And then that attracts in that way. And I think that is one of the things that I think is so powerful with when we're doing our 1% shift and this whole tribe of people coming on this movement is that, you know, hopefully that means people are not going to feel so alone doing what it takes to do your 1%. So it's funny because sometimes people think, well, I'm just going to do my 1%. That 1% can be so much hard work depending what that 1% is, right? And, you know, I never I never say that there aren't going to be challenges. There aren't going to be that those moments where you feel like I'm on my own, I can't do this, this is whatever, you know. But what I love is when you've got a tribe of people that you can call on, 
that you can go, hey, I'm having a tough day. Like we do that for each other, you know, or I'm just trying to figure out, is this the right direction in which I want to go? And I really hope as part of the 1% movement that we really build a tribe of people that can have those conversations where maybe we don't agree on everything, but maybe I'm looking at it through a different lens. And so now I can have a conversation with you because I want to hear what you're thinking through the lens that you have. And I think that is something that is really important about the whole 1% movement is that as we build out this tribe, I always, you know, like I've got a couple of things like an incubator and uh, innovators pod that we're starting up the new flavor coming through on that. And I joke about the marketing on that side of it, that really, if you don't fit in, then you're the right person. If you don't look like everyone else at the table, then we want you at the table. Uh, if you've been looking for permission, we already grant it to you at the table, you know, kind of thing. And I think that's the tribe that we're definitely drawing to our, uh, the movement. And I get excited because I know when you've got different perspectives, different thinkings, different lenses we start looking through as we innovate different solutions, we actually can see the change we all, and and reality is we actually desire, like every one of us desires that, that uh, you know, we don't live the same way we're living right now. And I think that's what's exciting about it. 100%. And going sort of like further in what you just said, Mm -hmm. our 1% can be hard and it can be challenging not only can the people around us help us to make that 1% shift, but they can actually mirror back to us what we've Mm. achieved because it can be really, really difficult in our world to see the change that we've made because we're in the weeds or we're in the mud and we're just like wading through. Mm. And then other people on the outside can go, oh, my goodness, like you're doing amazing things. And you're like, really? It feels like I'm not right now. (laughs) Any thoughts or final insights around what you're hearing our conversation today? Well, I just love everything that you guys are talking about in the sense of where it's like, I really like to uh, use the words co-collaboration, co-elevate and co-collaborate. I think that everything is, is a co and it's still in the sense of where when you build a team of where, like you were saying about that too, I, I look at it the same way of, of like when you said, if, if you don't look the same as everybody else at the table, we want you. It's the same thing with a sports team. It's like when you have a sports team, like, you know, American baseball, they have, you know, the pitcher and the hitter and the first baseman and the second baseman and the third and the infield and the outfield. Everybody's an expert at something, but they come together and they all play their part individually. They don't have to be clones of each other. So what I love about what you guys are doing is that, you know, you're really focusing on the, you know, the diversity and inclusivity of having everybody having a seat at the table. And that is absolutely the most important thing of ever, of everything, because when it's organic and it's natural and it's not being forced by the government based on quotas or numbers or things like that, then it becomes so much more powerful. So, and, and um, Kiri, if you'd ever like to be a guest on my show, I would love to have you as well. Oh, definitely. I'll come on your show. Not a problem. Thank you. Appreciate you. And thank you for taking the time to be here and to share with us. And like, I just, I love the passion that you have behind your 1% shift and the fact that, and this is what I hope and pray is that 
people, uh, as you get excited about your 1% shift, that this domino effect, because that's, that's the way it changes. I, I, um, remember asking, and, and this has made a, such an impression in my world. I remember asking Richard Branson, um, when I was hanging out with him in Necker Island the very first time. And I just turned around and I said, I said, Richard, I said, you must have so many opportunities, so many businesses and, and companies that, you know, want you to, uh, take up the opportunity and, and, uh, or invest in their thing. How do you know which one to take on board? And I'll never forget what he said. He goes, Kieran Marie, I don't go, what can I do? I go, who in my world do I need to do that bit or could do that bit or that one? And I just, made such an impression on me and that is why I've been doing the 1% movement literally because I realized we can build a tribe of amazing humans willing to be the sustainable future that we all want to see and that's because it's not me it's who in the world could do this bit that bit yes right so thank you for being willing to do your bit I appreciate that. And one last thing I just have to say, because you just mentioned Necker Island, the very first person that was on my show on May 31st, 2021 was Naveen Jain. And he lives, I think, three doors down from uh, Richard on, on Necker Island. So that's definitely also kind of a cool little uh, six degrees of separation. Yeah, I love that. All right. Well, thank you so much. Until next time. Absolutely. Bye. Bye. See ya. Amazing droplets of wisdom for you from today's episode. Make sure you subscribe, ensure you leave an awesome rating and review. Our hope is this podcast creates a new awareness, activates ownership to what is next, a curiosity for the need to be part of the change, and to make footsteps of sustainability from today onwards. If you want to further your journey with us, then apply to join us at our next Leaders Movement Parlay. The link is in the show notes. We appreciate you. Help us to help build a tribe who make humanity as stakeholders. To achieve this together, recommend this podcast to leaders, innovators, and movement changers. Big love until we see you on the next Decision Table Series podcast episode.